You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, this is Tim Rice, and welcome to the fifth episode of my podcast, Get Onto My Cloud. In 1991, I was spending a good deal of time in Los Angeles working for Disney. I had a kind of contract which was a little vague as far as why I was there was concerned. In my first few months, I made small and largely ineffectual contributions to one or two movies, including the Dolly Parton picture, Straight Talk. And I was occasionally asked for my opinion on one or two wacky scripts, including what I thought was a rather good idea, based on a true story about a wealthy Palm Beach widow called Molly Wilmot, whose oceanfront house had been careered into by a Venezuelan cargo ship that had no desire to move their massive craft from their unconventional mooring of her lawn for a variety of murky reasons. I even went to Palm Beach to meet the lady concerned, but the promising film, like 99% of scripts sent to major film companies, never got made. I kept dropping hints that my forte, or at least my thirte, was writing lyrics, preferably with an extremely gifted composer. Dolly Parton, of course, wrote brilliant words and music, so I was surplus to requirements in that department as far as she was concerned. My only credit on street talk was for song placement. Whatever song placement was, it did not seem to me to be the stepping stone to a new era in my career, which, frankly, had been a little unspectacular for two or three years. But I was at Disney at the right time, because under the brilliant leadership of Michael Eisner, the company had been turned around after a relatively quiet period, principally through their original and greatest strength, animation. There had not been a truly massive Disney animated movie, that had made a worldwide impact since Jungle Book in the late 60s. But with Jeffrey Katzenberg at the helm of the studio, The Little Mermaid kicked off a string of cartoon successes in 1989, followed by Beauty and the Beast, which was an even bigger hit. In the works and nearly completed was Aladdin. The songs for these three movies were written by Alan Menken, music, and Howard Ashman, lyrics. Quite rightly, Alan and Howard won enormous praise for their work, Oscars for Best Song, best score, and beyond doubt, they were a major factor in the huge success of Mermaid and Beauty. The buzz at Disney was that Aladdin would be even more successful than the previous two. A sadder story was also during the rounds at Disney. Howard Ashman was seriously ill. In the meantime, I'd finally been asked to write some songs for a new project called King of the Jungle. The huge success of the recent animated features encouraged the Disney heavies to put more than one such picture into production at the same time. I was still very much on trial, but as I was on the premises and cheap, I got the gig for the first non-Ashman Menken animated film score for several years. No one had been signed to write the music, and I was asked if I had any suggestions. I was not allowed Alan Menken as he was working on Aladdin. My first thought was Elton John. The King of the Jungle soon became the Lion King, Elton joined the party, and I think my choice of composer was perhaps my most important contribution to the project. 
Anyway, more of The Lion King in a future podcast. Then came the sad news we'd all expected. Howard Ashman had died. Aladdin, Howard's idea, had not been completed, and the release date was not far away. Out of the blue, I was asked to abandon The Lion King for a few weeks and have a go at finishing the remaining Aladdin songs with Alan Menken. I'd never met Alan, although of course I knew his work well. In addition to his great music for Disney, he and Howard had written the wonderful stage musical Little Shop of Horrors. I imagine Alan and the Aladdin producers must have had quite a few conversations about a replacement lyricist, but I was in the next building, already had a deal with Disney, and presumably had shown signs of promise with the work I'd done on The Lion King to date. Howard was a tough act to follow, and I was also concerned that Alan and I simply might not get on. Fortunately, from our first meeting we hit it off, and I was soon on a crash course of the Aladdin story so far, both the actual story of the film and what was going on with every aspect of the production. Howard had written lyrics for several songs, two of which were big production numbers in the movie, but he and Alan had not written the big romantic ballad to accompany Aladdin and Jasmine's magic carpet ride. This was intended to be the big hit song from the show. Alan had an idea that the song should be called The World at Our Feet, but I've never felt that feet are a particularly important or even attractive aspect of romance. Of course, some might disagree with this assessment, and at the risk of eliminating the foot fetish market, I opted for a whole new world. The first singers to perform this song would, of course, be the actors playing Aladdin and Jasmine, Brad Kane and Leah Salonga. They were terrific. Here are Brad and Leah singing an early version of A Whole New World. I changed some of the lyrics before they recorded the final film version, and I'm glad I did. But even at this preliminary stage, I did feel that we were onto something. I can show you the world Count on me for some splendor You can be a big spender It's a free and easy ride I can open your eyes Take you wonder by wonder Over sideways and under won't you let me be your guide? A whole new world A new fantastic point of view No one to tell us no Or where to go Princess, you can trust me There's time to spare, so let 
Brad Kane, Aladdin, and Leah Salonga, Jasmine, singing a demo version of A Whole New World. As I mentioned, and as Aladdin fans would have noticed, they were not the final lyrics. By the time we came to record Brad and Leah for the movie's soundtrack, I think I'd improved some of the words, mainly at the beginning of the song. But I note that my secret tribute to Billy Fury, A Wondrous Place, was in the original Brad and Leah lyrics. Disney were very pleased with the song and were very keen to find two megastars to record a commercial version aimed at radio and the charts. For a few brief hours, discussions revolved around Barbara Streisand and George Michael, which sounded terrific, but not to my surprise, this ambitious casting never materialised. However, we could not have done better than obtain the highly talented services of Peebo Bryson and Regina Bell. Peebo, had recently been in the top 10 for Disney with Celine Dion and the Beauty and the Beast title song. He and Regina were both successful and respected recording artists, particularly in the R&B market, which they proved again by taking their version of A Whole New World to number one on the US pop charts in February 1993. It remains the only time I've had a single at the top of the Hot 100. And it was only for one week, but as it displaced Whitney Houston after 14 weeks at number one, with I Will Always Love You, a Dolly Parton song, we were lucky to get there even for one week. I remember my cricket team was in the middle of a tour in South Africa when I heard the news about the number one, which meant I had to buy a lot of drinks for both teams after nearly every match. I was quite relieved when the sixth and final game was rained off. A Whole New World is possibly my most successful song ever, winning an Oscar, a Golden Globe, and perhaps hardest of all to nab, the Grammy for Song of the Year when you're up against literally hundreds of recorded songs, whether or not they were featured in movies. As we were up against Sting, Neil Young, Jim Steinman and Billy Joel, I never expected to win the Grammy. I had no acceptance speech prepared. I seem to remember thanking the Everly Brothers. The following year, I was nominated twice with Elton for Lion King songs and thought this time we're in with a shout, but we got beaten by a gentleman named Bruce Springsteen. Anyway, after the success of Aladdin, I was now flavour of the month, as far as Disney lyricists were concerned, and I was invited to step into Howard's shoes again for the proposed stage production of Beauty and the Beast. So often had Disney's animated film scores been compared to Broadway scores, Michael Eisner and his team decided to set up Disney theatricals and transfer their hit animated movies to stage, to Broadway. Most stage musicals need more songs than films do. Beauty and the Beast had around half a dozen great songs written by Alan and Howard, but at least another half dozen were needed for the theatrical presentation. The show, to be directed by Rob Roth and starring Susan Egan and Terence Mann, was scheduled to open in Houston at the end of 1993 with a transfer to Broadway for April 1994. I was by now back with the Lion King team working on Songs with Elton, as that movie was due for release in summer 1994, but simultaneously, I was writing the new numbers for Beauty, which would hit Broadway a couple of months before the Lion King film came out. It was, of course, quite a demanding task to take over the lyricist's chair 
from such an outstanding wordsmith as Howard Ashman. I'd actually met Howard back in the 80s when he came to London to set up the UK version of The Little Shop of Horrors, but unfortunately, we never got round to discussing our individual approaches to writing words. I do, however, feel that we were not dissimilar lyricists. Some of Howard's brilliantly witty lines in songs such as Under the Sea, Gaston, or Be Our Guest were definitely along the lines of things I'd tried to achieve in Joseph in particular. Anyway, be that as it may, the new songs seemed to fit well, and although quite rightly, most of the major musical moments in the show were already covered by Howard's genius, Alan and I were still able to add a few more successful scenes. I was particularly fond of a big ballad for the Beast entitled If I Can't Love Her, which closed Act One, and a song for beauty titled Home. Of course, the fact that the composer was the same for the entire score made the joins less easy to spot, and Alan's superb melodic standard never flagged. The show was a hit, and so several talented actresses played beauty during its lengthy run. I was particularly excited when the great R&B singer, Tony Braxton, agreed to star in the title role for three months. However, she insisted on a new song for Belle, and apparently after a long dinner with her, Alan, and choreographer Matt West, I promised her that we would write her a new song. Whether that's how the song originated or not, I cannot say for sure. I can hardly remember the dinner, but the good news was that Alan and I wrote a cracker, though I say it myself. The song was called A Change in Me, and Tony sang it beautifully every night. Unfortunately, I don't think she's ever recorded it, but several other singers have over the years, and the song has remained in the show ever since Tony's brief run as Beauty. One of the best versions of A Change in Me was recorded by none other than Alan's daughter, Anna. As Anna Rose, she has recorded several fine albums and is a very accomplished songwriter. She's a rocker, but has on occasion, as with her version of A Change in Me, proven that she has a terrific voice for dramatic ballads.
Anna Rose with A Change in Me from the stage version of Beauty and the Beast. Alan and I wrote three more new songs under the Beauty banner for the live-action movie version of Beauty in 2015, directed by Bill Condon. It was a very successful picture, but for the life of me, I can't remember why A Change in Me wasn't included. But don't get me started on film producers' decisions on musical scores. In addition to the songs for Aladdin and Beauty, Alan and I have written a complete work together entitled King David. I play one of the songs from that show in my very first podcast a few weeks ago, and I shall certainly return to the King David score in a future episode. We're planning a new recording of King David, which so far has only been performed in concert. It's very operatic in its structure, and for my money has some of Alan's best ever music. Alan Menken remains a very good friend of mine, and although the fact that we live in different continents means that we don't write together as much as I would have liked, We've still done quite a bit together over the years. I'm going to conclude this Alan Menken podcast with a new song from the beauty film, How Does a Moment Last Forever? And it's sung by Celine Dion. How can a story never die? It is love we must hold on to Never easy, but we try Sometimes our happiness is captured Somehow a time and place stands still Love lives on inside our hearts and always will Minutes turn to hours Days to years that go But when all else has been forgotten Still our song lives on Maybe some moments weren't so perfect Maybe some memories not so sweet But we have to know some bad times Or our lives are incomplete Then when the shadows overtake us Just when we feel all hope is gone We'll hear our song and know once more A love lives on Our happiness endure Through the darkest of our troubles Love is beauty, love is pure Love brings no mind to desolation 
It flows like a river through the soul Protects, proceeds and perseveres And makes us whole Minutes down to hours Days to years that go But when all else has been forgotten Still our song lives on How does a moment last forever When our song lives That was episode five of Get Onto My Cloud, written and presented by Tim Rice and produced by Peter Hobbs. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.